chiefly because it is a boy to bear his name, though he says not, that he would have loved a girl as well, but I know it isn't true. I know he says that to please me. And, Mama, he hasn't punished one of them, not one of them since baby is born. Even that Grillon, who pretended to have burnt his leg that he might rest from work, he only laughed and said Negrillon was a great scamp. Oh, Mama, I am so happy. It frightens me. What Desiree said was true. Marriage, and later the birth of his son, had softened Armando Bigny's imperious and exacting nature greatly. This was what made the gentle Desiree so happy, for she loved him desperately. When he frowned, she trembled, but loved him. When he smiled, she asked no greater blessing of God. But Armand's dark, handsome face had not been disfigured by frowns since the day he fell in love with her. When the baby was about three months old, Desiree awoke one day to the conviction that there was something in the air menacing her peace. It was at first too subtle to grasp. It had only been a disquieting suggestion, an air of mystery among the blacks, unexpected visits from far-off neighbors who could hardly account for their coming. Then a strange and awful change in her husband's manner, which she dared not ask him to explain. When he spoke to her, it was with averted eyes from which the old love-light seemed to have gone out. He absented himself from home, and when there, avoided her presence and that of a child without excuse and the very spirit of Satan seemed suddenly to take hold of him in his dealings with the slaves. Desiree was miserable enough to die. She sat in her room one hot afternoon in her peignoir, listlessly drawing through her fingers the strands of her long, silky brown hair that hung about her shoulders. The baby, half-naked, lay asleep upon her own great mahogany bed. It was like a sumptuous throne with its satin-lined half-canopy. One of Leblanche's little quadroon boys, half-naked too, stood fanning the child slowly with a fan of peacock feathers. Desiree's eyes had been fixed absently and sadly upon the baby while she was striving to penetrate the threatening mist that she felt was closing in about her. She looked from her child to the boy who stood beside him, and back again, over and over. <gasps> it was a cry that she could not help, which she was not conscious of having uttered. The blood turned like ice in her veins and a clammy moisture gathered upon her face. She tried to speak to the little quadroon boy, but no sound would come at first. When he heard his name uttered, he looked up, and his mistress was pointing to the door. He laid aside the great soft fan, and obediently stole away over the polished floor. She stayed motionless, with gaze riveted upon her child, and her face the picture of fright. Presently her husband entered the room, and without noticing her, went to a table and began to search among some papers which covered it. Armand, Armand, look at our child. What does it mean? Tell me. He coldly but gently loosened her fingers from about his arm and thrust her hand away from him. Tell me what it means. It means that the child is not white. It means that you are not white. A quick conception of all that this accusation meant for her nerved her with unwanted courage to deny it. It is a lie. It is not true. I am white. Look at my hair, it is brown, and my eyes are grey, and my skin is fair. Look at my hand, whiter than yours, Armand. As white as La Blanche's. He went away, leaving her alone with her child. When she could hold a pen in her hand, she sent a despairing letter to Madame Valmondé. My mother, they tell me I am not white. Armand has told me that I am not white. For God's sakes, tell them it is not true. I shall die. I must die. I cannot be so unhappy and live. The answer that came was brief. My own Desiree, come home to Valmondé, back to your mother who loves you. 
Come with your child. When the letter reached Desiree, she went with it to her husband's study and laid it open upon the desk before which he sat. She was like a stone image, silent, white, motionless after she placed it there. In silence, he ran his cold eyes over the written words. He said nothing. Shall I go, Armand? Yes, go. Do you want me to go? Yes, I want you to go. He thought Almighty God had dealt cruelly and unjustly with him, and felt somehow that he was paying him back in kind when he stabbed thus into his wife's soul. Moreover, he no longer loved her, because of the unconscious injury she had brought upon his home and name. She turned away like one stunned by a blow, and walked slowly toward the door, hoping he would call her back. Goodbye, Armand. He did not answer her. That was his last blow.